Hurrian, you get to hear a song by our guest. It's off of his recent album, Office Hours. It's called Harmony With You, and it's really good. Hang around for it. Oh. Welcome to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for children's musicians by a children's musician. And uh, today the topic is something that I think is very interesting to me because it's all about how you stay healthy mentally when you start to try and promote your music. How much is too much? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? How far can you go? When should you maybe push the envelope of comfort and do more? And when should you say, you know what, that's probably good enough and step back? That may not make any sense to you, but hopefully after this conversation, you'll be a little bit more context. Now, I had this really awesome, completely cheesy and embarrassing uh, segue, sort of an introduction to our guest today that I was going to do. But then when I did it in my head a couple times, it was so embarrassing, I decided that I'm not going to do it. So you just get to live in that area of discomfort, not knowing what I was about to tell you. Ah, I like that. Okay, so today we'd like to bring to the podcast... A Grammy-nominated celebrity, I would say, safely, in the children's music genre. He's got a show on SiriusXM, Kids Place Live. And so, by saying uh, he, you know it's probably one of two or three folks. And that's right, today we're bringing to the barn Jack Foreman. Hello, Jack. Hey! Do the intro! Do the <laughs> intro! Do the intro! Oh, I, I, people okay. saying they want to hear the intro. Okay. I, I, people are telling me. Everyone's saying they want to hear this intro, Andy. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, here is the intro, and it's not well rehearsed, so it's going to be even lamer than I expected. Even better. You may. I, I have a live video show. <laughs> go, 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 go. You may think you know him from Kids Place Live, but you don't know. <laughs> you may think you know him from his Grammy-nominated band Recess Monkey, but you don't know. <laughs> you may think you know him from his solo albums that are topping the charts across America, but that's not the case, because kind of, when it comes right down to it, you don't know Jack. Hello, Jack ah, Foreman. Ah, no, that's good. Oh, <laughs> you no. might think you know him, but you've never heard him at 9.30 in the morning in Seattle while he's still in his bathrobe. This is the real stuff. I hope it's pink and fuzzy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. <laughs> the hard thing is that uh, I do work from home uh, with uh, doing business stuff for my band, Recess Monkey, and, you know, recording music. And then, of course, I host Live for the Monkey House from my house, too. But I got to take – I walk my kids to school every day, so I can't actually stay in my PJs from get-go. Uh-huh. I have to get dressed, drop, dr- walk the kids to school, get home, and then get back into my PJs and robe. So, <laughs> so is this is not what I pleasure? slept in last night. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got fresh PJs for the day. <laughs> Walking around PJs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the reason that I invited you on for this topic, and I know I haven't really defined it well, but this is what it is. In the children's music genre, and this is me, this is my personal perspective, I've seen that we are collectively very loving and very supportive and very enthusiastic about what we do. And there's characteristics within that that I think are unique to the children's music genre. Whereas other bands uh, in rock or heavy metal or reggae or jazz, they try and promote themselves and get their music out there. But the weird thing is, is that when you promote yourself in other music genres, you're promoting to the people who actually are consuming your music. Whereas in our music genre, we try and promote ourselves to parents of children because the children are the audience. So it's different. It's a different take. Totally different. Yep. When it comes time to be competitive, though, which is a, uh, I believe, a necessary or an inherent part of our business. There's only so many Parents' Choice gold medals out there. There's only so many Grammys. There's only so many spots on on radio programs. And we're all, and to a certain extent, I I think you you would know better than I, Jack. There's only so many uh, venues to play nationally. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that, but go on. You're setting up a great, a great introductory question here. <laughs> the backswing is taking a I'm so glad to be time. here, by the way. This is Are such you? a great conversation. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, particularly because Kenny Curtis's Animal Farm smells so much worse than barn banter. <laughs> like, you really, you've taken very good care of the barn. But well, no, keep, we don't have any keep, animals, so it helps. Oh, <laughs> just party animals. It's just a barn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, c- keep setting this up because this okay. is such a great, this is such a great premise for a conversation. I love this. Okay. Yeah. And at some point I'll even let you talk and it'll be 
even better. <laughs> so, so what I've noticed is, is that when it comes time to specific activities within our genre, and I'm going to point to the Recording Academy, specifically the Grammys, because that in is something that for my three albums, I totally got caught up in and excited about. And it seemed like an obtainable goal in a different way than if I was doing rock and roll for adults or, you know, for older folks. What I've noticed is there's a lot of noise around in the fall when it comes time for the Grammys. And there's a lot of, a, a lot of, the volume gets turned way up. Now, I like disclosure, I'm a, I'm a member of the uh, association. When I joined, I didn't have enough uh, credentials to become a voting member. You were an associate member. You were outside of the golden chamber I looking was. in through the glass window. Right. <laughs> I paid all the money without the bennies. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> but I, no, that's not true. I got, the, I got all the benefits. I just didn't get to vote. But my name shows up, and so everybody thinks I vote. And I'm very clear with people like, at the time... I wasn't. I am going to be, but I wasn't at the time. One of the things I noticed during this process, and this is when I bring actually the guest into the conversation, was that... Um, this is like being on uh, the WTF podcast with Mark Marin. I love this. You've got like a solid hour. <laughs> I'm just going to talk and at the end say, you good? Yeah, you're good. This yeah, is your this life is great, and your man. life is really... I'm <laughs> boring. <laughs> on this show, I offer one-on-one listening experiences for my monologues. I know, it's horrible. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry about this. It's just, I'm, oh, I'm no, trying to be dude, so I, careful. I'll cut to the chase. No, no, what, you're setting it up great. Take your time. This is great. This is this is very fertile ground, and anyone listening to this um, who has experienced what you're talking about will empathize with everything you're saying right now, so keep okay. going. Okay, good. Um, what I noticed is in the middle of the fray of that electric craziness that was going on when people were sending links and CDs and saying, for your consideration, FYC, saw that in email after email after email. There was one voice that I heard during and especially after that process, well, actually before, during and after, that cut through the noise and 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 there was an impact that it had. And Jack, that was your voice. Oh. You were someone who went through the process of... of uh, of being a, a nominee, and I followed you in the in the limo and in the pink suit. I saw you <laughs> dance on the red carpet, dude. It was so fun. It was exactly like, oh my god, I wish I had the the guts to do what he's doing because he's totally into it. And I listened to the to the um, the Grammys on the radio because where I they didn't have them on TV or I couldn't watch them on TV, and I was like cheering you along and and the whole thing. And after the fact, you came out with some very powerful comments and statements about that experience. And then the following year, when the Grammy season came around again, you also commented, and then even this year, because I was in 217 when you were nominated for Novelties, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. That record came out in 2016, but we were at the Grammys in 2017. 2017 that's right. Right. Yep. That cycle. And then this year, I noticed, and you and I had just a couple of brief interactions on, I think, uh, Facebook or something, um, about the about the process at the same time. And your voice was... First, it was singular because nobody else was saying that which I was kind of feeling. And it was also from a, a specific point of experience and perspective that I didn't and don't have yet, uh, which is being a Grammy nominee. <laughs> so, which is yeah, whatever. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that because I think that I would like to share that perspective that you gave and get into it a little bit deeper with the rest of the children's music genre. Thank you. No, and that's, I mean, I'm honored that anything, any missives that I wrote on social media cut through all that noise um, and that it reached you in a way that that was useful. Um, and I'm I'm double honored and, and grateful for the opportunity maybe to flesh it out with words because as anyone who has ever, I mean, I, I deleted my Facebook account because it got to the point where words on social media just don't do the the nuance of the kind of conversations that people are trying to have there just does not exist. You know, people will latch on one thing and misinterpret something and the something that's meant to be productive or proactive or constructive just ends up being fuel for more arguments. And I feel like increasingly people are going to social media as just a place to get to argue, sort of like when you're stuck in traffic um, in a sea of red lights on I-5 in Seattle you'll say things about people in other cars that you would never say to their face because you're insulated by this, you know, the literal vehicle. I feel like social media is kind of like that too. And so it's interesting that you bring up the idea that, you know, um, in some ways Facebook is training us or we've trained ourselves as family musicians to reach out to our fans in the same way that people in other genres would. But when the truth is, 
I mean, it's true that we hope that our fans are grownups, but the people that hopefully we have in mind when we're making all this music are people that shouldn't be anywhere near Facebook or, or social media in general. These are people who should not be spending any time with screens at all. These kids should be coming to our shows and having an authentic musical experience. So it is sort of interesting that um, when you see Brandy Carlisle, uh, who I'm a big fan of, local here to the greater Seattle area, win her Grammy after 15 years of toughing it out in clubs, you know, in mm -hmm. small venues, and suddenly discovering the world, discovering who she is and the powerful voice that she has, it's very easy to get it caught up in that mystique um, as a children's musician and assume that the Grammys are a one stop shop in order to make that kind of thing happen. Um, and my experience is that it is not. So, uh, and, uh, but I guess, so I, I can, I can now go just talk at length here, or I don't know if you want to make this a back and forth kind of Q and a sort of thing, but I definitely have lots of thoughts about all this. Well, and I mostly, I want to hear your thoughts on this and I, I, I want to give you as much rope as you need to hang yourself when, when it comes <laughs> to this. Is that, that's a. Yeah, I can say that because there's no children listening. You're a to this cowboy, podcast. man. <laughs> you you speak only in cow. So you are you saying that you're going to be like uh, you're going to be mining for gold in this conversation? Is that kind of what you're saying, or is that more of a prospector kind of thing? I'm not I just, sure. I was picking my nose at the moment, so no, no. Uh, okay, we're we're going to circle the wagons on this. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna count all the horses in our corrals, whatever. Um, I guess. Okay, so. Let me start just concretely with my history with the Grammys. Um, and I'm going to go in order. And I'm going to try to be quick so it's not too boring. But my band Recess Monkey has been making records since 20, 2004. We've put out 14 albums. When we made our first album, it was totally homespun and organic. We had been doing indie music. We didn't have any uh, conception of what was slash is called kindy. I'm not a huge fan of that term because I don't. Uh, I think it's reductionist and doesn't really, I don't know. I, I think it's just a buzzword. Uh, I, what we call what we do family music because we're trying to reach people and, you know, at, at every segment of families and try to create these shared family moments. Um, but we had been a band. We were teachers. We tried to commingle those worlds together and we created our first album, um, really just experimenting. And over the next couple of records, we put out one a year. We started getting this sense that, oh, wow, you know, there are a lot of other people like us doing this who, um, no disrespect to, you know, Raffi or, uh, you know, the, like the local big heavyweight, uh, Tim Noah was a, a big sort of folk tradition kids musician here in the greater Seattle area. There was a very clear roadmap for what children's music was supposed to sound like based on that kind of folk tradition of someone standing in front of a group with a acoustic guitar singing, you know, relatively folky songs. There mm -hmm. was, you know, that was a pretty well-established theme. We thought we were being pretty innovative with the idea of let's take all of our sensibilities as an indie band and translate it into something that lyrically and uh, energetically makes sense for the whole family. And it just turned out that a whole lot of other people were doing that at the same time. So it felt like around 2008 or 2009, right as we started meeting people around the country, it just so happened that we were in the right place at the right time. And there was a lot of media scrutiny about what was happening in this movement or this scene, you know, Time Magazine going to Kindy Fest and doing photo pictorials of all these bands. Like, it, it was really cool. Uh, it, just an amazing opportunity to be there when we were. Still very much like a third tier kind of band, and I don't think we've ever left that tier, but you know, having really fun, authentic experiences with audiences, but also feeling like we were part of a larger movement and meeting a lot of people like you who are motivated by similar instincts to create music for the whole family. Mm -hmm. So like around our third album, some Kathy O'Connell said something about our album Wonder Stuff. It's a double album that had sort of a story woven in between the songs. Again, very experimental. We were trying to make our version of the Beatles' White Album. That's right. what we ended up making. Um, Kathy O'Connell said something like, you know, this this record really could be like a Grammy nominee. And that was the first that any of us knew that children's even had a Grammy or that the Grammys even had a children's category, that that was even possible. Even and a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that every kid's artist, when they discover that, there's like a pinching myself like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually really, this is not just a homespun thing or this is not just something that I'm doing, you know, that is just for kids. Like, wow, this is a real thing. Like there's a there's an umbrella over this music that I'm making and I'm part of a larger community. Um, that sort of tacit endorsement of what we were doing. We weren't nominated. We hadn't even submitted our album. We didn't even know how to do that and didn't start doing that for two more years. Um, but there's the pinching yourself quality of, oh my gosh, wow, 
what I'm doing could win a Grammy. Like just that, you know, it suddenly opens your eyes to all these possible dreams. And when you hear the word Grammy, if you're anything like I was at that time, you think about, you know, the kind of people who are winning albums of the year. It's it's just this, you. it's a direct uh, vector in your brain from, wow, I could win a Grammy for this children's music that I'm making to, wow, and then I'll have a Bentley, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. your your concrete goal is in life that, wow, this is going to be the thing that gets us there. I think a lot of people make that that leap, and I think it's magical thinking. Um, but I don't think that's apparent right away because... Uh, as we learned, a lot of people are bought into this mythos that this is going to unlock something in the future, that this will finally prove the worth or the merit of the music or that we will have finally made it. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting in about 2009, it was our fifth or sixth album. We started playing the game as well as we understood it. And it turns out that we weren't even playing the game. <laughs> the way the game <laughs> really is played um, is, uh, and uh, from talking to Justin Roberts, and I think you and Justin just talked to each other pretty recently, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? Did yep, you that's and- true. Yeah, we had him on yeah. the, we had yeah. a really long conversation. It was more about the specifics uh, and the process of the Recording Association and yeah. the process of, of of the Grammys, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear from him that some things have been changing and uh, there's been some growth in how the rules about voting work. Um, but uh, and, and I should also say that we're having this conversation right now at the end of October. Mm-hmm. Um, it is before any nominees are known. The uh, submission round is over. Voting has begun and people are definitely sending out these FYC emails. But as right now, as you and I were talking, we have no idea who the five nominees are. We don't know who is eventually going to win the Grammys. And I think that your plan is that you're going to be publishing this after the Grammys are over. So anything that I say or that we talk about right now is this is purely in the abstract. I'm not speaking about any particular artists or nominees. I don't know who they are, um, nor the person who won. And I hope that they're all feeling great about their experience. Um, We started in 2009 or 2010, like really trying to push it, like trying to, uh, you know, well, at least submitting our record every year, putting a lot of faith in that process, you know, in its various incarnations of, you know, uh, Grammy 365, like messaging other artists and trying to, you know, like send emails to other people and Facebook post about it and like just with the vague idea that, okay, maybe we could get some votes for this. Maybe this is important for us to do. Um, You know, kept taking that more and more seriously. And even to the point of like, you know, starting to like go to, I don't even know what it's called now, but the Grammy Pro website or whatever it is, you know, making as many contacts as possible and sending direct links when that was allowed, that is no longer allowed. you know, with this terror of this is such a crucial thing um, that we need to be doing. If we're not doing it, we're wasting our time. And that's reinforced by the fact that, as you say, every day you're getting 10 or 20 FYC emails from other people in children's and other categories, too. Now, apparently the rules have changed and people aren't allowed to um, be soliciting for votes outside of their own category anymore maybe that's true maybe that's not i think it's discouraged i don't know i don't know if you if they've figured out a way technically to make that so but i think it's discouraged so anyway you're getting just all this uh, all i'm saying is on your radar as a musician looking at this process you're getting all this feedback from the process that a it's really important b everyone else is doing it um, and then you, if you start looking inward and wonder, well, if I care about my career, I'm using quotation marks about that because it's sort of, uh, I, 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 it feels more like we're just playing. <laughs> I try to make this feel the least like a career as I can, even though it is my full-time occupation. Um, if, if you care about the career or the brand, you're, a, you're crazy for not doing this. You need to be doing this. This is a reality of succeeding in the music business because if you look at what happens to people like Brandy Carlisle, of course, it's a turnkey solution that's going to make all of your dreams come true. Th- this process reinforces that. And I still get emails from people, well-known people, people who have won Grammys in other categories who – um, come to me and they're saying, hey, I'm getting lots of emails uh, from other artists for FYC um, purposes. Should I be doing this? And my answer is, well, what's your goal? And I think that's my my overall question for everyone who's listening right now. Um, we got to a point where at the end of uh, the record before we got nominated, I was fed up. I had put too much effort into this. It felt really fake to me. It felt like this. there's a glad-handing horse trading element to this and that 
what I'm really, this is not about the quality of the music, but my ability to turn out a vote. I feel like I'm truly campaigning with other people that I suspect are voters. Um, and I could be making music with this time. Like I'm literally putting tens of hours, hundreds of hours, maybe. I don't know how many hours I put in. I could have demos that are done in this time. I could have full, fully fledged, uh, you know, record ready songs rec that are, that are finished. Um, in the amount of time we could be doing so much creative work in the amount of time that we're spending on this process. Um, so we decided at the end of hot air, the record before we were nominated, that's it. We're not playing this game anymore. We'll submit the CD. Um, because why not? It's quick. It, it's a 20 minute, not even, it's a three minute process to mm -hmm. submit your CD, send it in and let that be it. If it gets nominated, then awesome. Like, wow, that would be such an amazing compliment. And I don't mean to disparage the compliment. I think that's authentic and real. If people are voting for your record, particularly if you didn't ask them to, mm. that's a compliment that you can take and feel great about. But will the compliment really feel that great if the reason, and you know this in your heart, even if you don't tell anyone this, the reason that you got your nomination or your win was because you paid someone minimum wage to go out and solicit votes for you, you know, or mm -hmm. that you mortgaged, you know, weeks or months of creative effort that you could have been putting toward the music that would actually reach kid ears um, in a way that the word Grammy doesn't. We get uh, announced all the times at, at our gigs for being Grammy nominated. Grownups think that means that we won the Grammys and kids don't even know what the word they think we're talking about their grandmother like they don't know what a Grammy is like it doesn't resonate with them at all. Uh -huh. We we got to a point where we felt like, man, if we put all this effort in and then we're nominated, this would feel dirty to us that we had that this was the product of our ability to turn out a vote, not our ability to um, capture something authentic in music. So interestingly enough, we we did that. We decided, OK, no campaigning. Just submit the record. That's it. I didn't even know when it was going to be announced. It was completely off my radar. I didn't pay any attention to any of it. Um, and I got a call from Mindy from Kids Place Live <laughs> at five in the morning, the morning that it was announced. And it's just a voicemail of her screaming into the voicemail for a minute. Solid. Um, <laughs> and I mean, what a great thing to wake up to. Um, yes, you and know. No. Yes and no. Kind of depends yeah. on when the screaming ends, what the next words are. But yes. Well, I th I, yeah, I, I think anyone who listens to Mindy Show is used to that being a scream that they want to hear every morning. So okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> same thing. Um, so that felt like the authentic compliment. And as I said publicly and as I felt at the time, that's the win. Like we weren't going to do anything after that. We weren't going to go out and campaign to get votes. Like we were going to make some public facing comments about, hey, we're nominated um, for your consideration because that record had been picked up by Amazon as an exclusive distributor. So, um, you know, they'd paid us in advance on the record. So we felt like, well, at least we, you know, it, this is their first Grammy nomination, maybe their first Grammy win. So we at least owe it to them to treat this somewhat seriously. But our feeling was that's the win. Um, because this was an authentic gesture, a compliment given to us by whomever voted in the uh, to lead up to the nominations round and in the star chamber that actually makes the decision. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, and then after that, uh, we just stopped submitting. I think maybe I submitted for our record last year. I can't remember if I did or not. Um, but so that's the backstory. I guess th the question that I would ask anyone who's listening to this after my long diatribe <laughs> is, is what like what's what do you want what's truly what is your goal from being a musician and and specifically what's your goal from being um like what do you think that you're going to get from grammy nominations or grammy wins because I, i'm i've now been through the process i've felt terrible about it every year that we weren't nominated and i put effort into it um and after having been nominated um, and speaking with winners from multiple years, the story that we all tell is exactly the same, that this did not fix anything that was broken in you beforehand. This sudden Grammy win did not increase your rates as a live performer. It didn't increase album sales because it's 2019. No one's buying albums. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't uh, it didn't lead to a sense of contentment. Or finally, I'm done. You know, finally, I'm at peace with myself. If that feeling wasn't already there, it, I felt like exactly the same person that I was six months after the Grammys as I was before the nomination had even happened. Um, 
So if the goal and the reason that people are putting all this effort into it is that this is going to find help them find the kind of contentment that they're hoping to find, like they're just not contented, they're struggling and feeling like I'm just I, I really need a break here. I, I'm sad to say this isn't a break. This is not magical. And it's not something that is going to unlock um, any potential future success. The thing that unlocks potential future success is finding creative outlets um, finding a way to know your audience and uh, doing work that makes you happy while you're doing it and feeling that kind of contentment while you're doing it. There's uh, Chris Ballou, known as Casper Baby Pants now, of course, the um, lead singer of The Presidents, told me this really great anecdote when he was in The Presidents and they had just won a Grammy, I think, or some other big thing had happened. He came to this revelation where even at the moments when they were at their highest highs, like doing an album release on MTV in front of Mount Rushmore live on TV, you know, for mm -hmm. when people watch TV, 30 million people watching this broadcast or whatever, um, even at these moments of like crucial, like the highest highs that from the outside would feel like, oh my gosh, you are going to be loving that experience. Even in those moments, it was like he had walked into a room um, and he was already searching, scanning the perimeter of this room for the door that was going to lead to whatever the next bigger room was. There's, ah, yes. you know, Justin Timberlake, I don't know Justin Timberlake, <laughs> but I'm assuming <laughs> that there's never a point where he gets to a, uh, a certain accomplishment and it's like, okay, done. Ah, I'm finally. There. I've, Yes. Yeah. There's there's always the next thing. It's it's always it's always what what's the next part of the game, and if and so I guess the, the takeaway that I took from the Grammys and what I'd suggest to anyone out there who's having this experience um, of feeling bad about the Grammys or feeling that sense of pent up anxiety or frustration about it uh, or searching for any award um, or any sort of external um, uh, uh, indicator of their success. If the work that you're doing is not bringing you happiness in and of itself, then that's the thing to put the effort into. How do you make the art, how do you make the the work of being in front of uh, kids or recording in the studio or writing music or whatever it is that you're doing in this scene, um, however it is that you're spending your time, how do you make that the thing that while you're actually in the moments that you're enjoying it and loving it and you're and it's fine to have aspirations and dreams and push yourself and want to achieve goals – but how can you make sure that you're enjoying your life while you're living it rather than always looking ahead to the thing that six months from now that that oh, that's the thing that I'm going for? Because if you have that mentality of always looking ahead to the six months from now, that six months is always going to be on the horizon and you're never going to get there that mm -hmm. you're never going to find the sunset. It's just going to keep the world's going to keep spinning and you're always going to be looking off in the distance to the detriment of what you're in right now. So I make it a point to channel as much energy as I can into my happiness in the moment. And what I've also found is that things like Grammy nominations or parent choice awards or whatever, especially ones that you pay money for, th these don't change anything. You know, like if, if someone wants to introduce you before a gig, if you have a Grammy nomination, they'll say that. But if you don't have a Grammy nomination, they'll just say something else that's equally as flattering. It doesn't buy anything for the show that you're playing. No one who's ever booked for longer than six months cares because they know that winning a Grammy might mean that you're only playing to six people in a room. You know, it's 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 the least of anyone's um, who's not in the music business's radar point. Um, I, to me, I am all about chasing the happiness that this art form is built on um, and making that the goal, not these external reinforcers or, you know, these golden fleeces that you really can't ever achieve. Right. Okay. okay. Dissert dissertation done. Okay, good. Because now <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to tear it apart. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I've been do taking it. notes. So, so here's the thing that I've, I've learned. And first off, thank you so much for sharing that perspective just in general. There should be, this is the part where I, I need to throw in the disclaimer that nothing that, uh, that, we're talking about today, personally, I think, and I'll speak for you and you can agree or, or tell me to soak my head, is about any person, group, or, you know, band that's currently chasing these things. These are conceptual things. It doesn't matter if you're in the children's genre or the bluegrass or Americana or gospel. And by God, they have so many Grammys for the gospels. It's amazing to have to sit through those before they actually got to the children's <laughs> one. Well, that's a different part of this. I don't understand that, but whatever. Um, Oh no, no, I, I, and, and I, that's that's the other thing I should. I, I completely agree with this, um, uh, with this disclaimer that you're adding. Um, I'm speaking from a 
point of personal experience. And I really all I'm doing is I'm coming up from it for air after having been in family music for fi- uh, 15 years mm-hmm. and reporting about my own personal experiences. I I may be uh, the odd person out. There may be people who love the experience of of chasing Grammy awards or other awards. Maybe maybe that external totem is something that really reinforces um, them on on a truly meaningful level, and I don't mean to disparage that. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I'm I'm envious because um, I have our band has achieved a number of things that on the outside, you know, that look great on a Wikipedia page or on the outside look like they're big, you know, amazing winter moments that. Um, I probably, I probably missed the opportunity to really relish them when they happen. Cause it was like, okay, good. That'll lead to X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm, I'm speaking very much from my personal experience here. Right. And, and I think that that's, so this is the links in the chain as far as a performer, recording artist trying to pursue this. And I always say, seriously, there are people who don't, who, who don't want to pursue this seriously. They like their local sphere of influence. They play three or four library gigs a summer or, you know, that special event and do some birthday parties. And this is the fun hobby. And they have no need or desire within them to chase this dream of being a rock star, which right. I do for some reason. I've always wanted to be a performer. I love getting on stage that, that, um, it's a certain specific kind of high that I just really enjoy the more I do it. The more I, and you're I'm, you're great at it. I've seen you do it in person, and oh, um, it, it's it is self evident that it's a place that you flourish because you you um, you mirror that enthusiasm back on audiences, and I think that um, I've I very much enjoyed watching you perform. Oh, thanks, man, and I you know obviously right back right back at you. I think that there are, there are people who choose a path that leads to the big stage and they chase that because it's not easy to get there. It takes a lot of money and time and energy and then, and sacrifice just to get to those stages. They don't just offer you a gig in front of 10,000 people because they like you. And if they do, it's, you only get one shot. But the, I think what I, what I realized going into this and yes, I had that very specific pinch point where I was like the Grammys, that's a thing. And then I looked at the, the people who'd won. They were not Disney. They were not, you know, Sony used to have a label, but they weren't like the huge, you know, rock stars winning these things. They were kids bands that right. I could meet. I mean, I met, yeah. you know, I you could drop an email to these folks and, and talk to them. They were very approachable. They were just like me, was that feeling. Okie dokie brothers, just two guys who put out a couple, put out some great music. And next thing you know... There they are. Now, getting to that point seems seemed easy or seemed accessible. What happened after that, I can only imagine, because that's, like you said, that's the dream. That's the magic thinking as far as what that translates into. But as... But I do see that, and, and I think you did too, if you, were, if you were immersed in it, as you say, sending out all those emails and trying to network and make connections and, hey, listen to my stuff, and could you please, and especially crafting those emails so that you aren't swapping votes or, you know, that you're being ethical about it. Like, if you could please listen to my music and maybe consider it for your consideration, you know, that, that approach, which I tried for one, for our second album, and then I I was exhausted, and I couldn't. I, I realized that after the uh, the Grammys were over, and I saw the whole thing, I was like, "Oh, dude! Like, I don't have a publicist. I'm up here in the middle of Montana. I don't really even know that many people. I it does not seem like something I actually could do, because the scope and scale suddenly seemed so big to me. And that's kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying, because you guys have been doing it for so long and had so so much um, so many connections and things like that. Like even when you said hiring somebody at minimum wage to do your promotion for you, I was like, what, people do that? And I don't is, know if they still do, but they definitely have. Well, yeah, and at the same time I'm like, <laughs> of course they do that. Are you kidding me? Because there are organizations that put a monetary value to the Grammy. Somebody somebody can actually say whether they're right or not, but they say, well, I think it's worth $15,000 to go for a Grammy. You know, Beyonce, I don't know what it's worth to her, but... Oh, much more, of course. It's I got to be yeah, worth something it, for her. I, it's, it's really important to draw a line between Beyonce and what's happening in the children's category, too. I mean, I... I 
I, I think people need to understand that the economy of scale is very much at work here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the the kind of the kind of business strategies that are in play with an artist like Beyonce, I mean, obviously, it, you know, it, it, in in every facet of that profession, she is a full on brand. Um, you know, the Okie Dokie Brothers are a great example of a band that I would say of of any of the like truly independent bands, they're probably the people who have most successfully been able to parlay that their Grammy win and then two more nominations. Um, I don't think that those Grammy wins and nominations led to their successes. I think that they are emblematic of their successes and that they're extremely hard workers. They had a really resonant concept mm-hmm. um, and worked doggedly to pursue it. And, you know, in in the context of that, you know, this uh, their adventure albums were their full-time thing. It was a very long project that they put a significant amount of time um, and resources into. So it it would to me that ma- it makes sense that they um, that they won a Grammy, and I assume that their other successes, you know, it all all boats rise when you're working really hard against a common theme that's really resonating with people. Mm. Um, I think that it's easy to see a success like that and assume that oh okay well that's cool well then just get the Grammy and then I can be like the Okie Dokie Brothers like. No, not really. I mean, you need to have a tremendous amount of work ethic. You need to have a vision. You need to have a great team, and you need to be working doggedly. And the Grammy is maybe something that comes along along the way, but it's not going to make you, you or break you. It's mm-hmm. it's just another little thing. You know, um, you know, the Okie Dokie Brothers are playing shows all over the country with full symphonic orchestras, um, and they're doing that whether they win the Grammy that year or not. They've been doing it ever since they won a Grammy in 2013. You know, it's, that's a function of them just being really hard workers and successful um, at right. what they do. Um, the magic bullet thinking, uh, I subscribed to it very much early on, and that's part of the terror that led to me of, oh, well, then I got to I gotta chase this magic and try to make it happen. Um, the reality of children's music, especially right now, is the the big stage that you're talking about, playing to 10,000 people. I, I There aren't that many stages like that. And even the ones that, that on paper seem like they're like that aren't like that. <laughs> Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza sounds like a great gig, and your fans at home think that's amazing if you happen to play it. But anyone who's played that stage knows, oh, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is a little bit more humble than... Um, then uh, maybe I, I should care to admit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, these organizations are very good, whether it be the Recording Association with the Grammys or Lollapalooza, they're very good at their brand. Their of mar- course. They're marketing their outward appearance specifically for fans and performers to grab that brass ring, which is not necessarily, you know, it's a little, it's plated at best. Yeah, so I can't speak, you know, so then if you're talking about the, the various strata of... Um, of bands or of performers, I definitely can't experience, uh, can't speak to the Lori Berkner scale experience or the, uh, they might be giant scale experience. Obviously those are, uh, uh, I admire the kind of followings that they've created and maybe in that realm, chasing a Grammy is something that really pays off. I can say as a, I mean, I think I, I, I'm not saying this, um, out of braggadocio, but I think a number of bands, um, a lot of bands would look at the successes that Recess Monkeys had, the number of shows we played, the kind of reach that we've had, and they would strive to get to where we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we felt like we probably made it in 2009 and have just sort of been coasting at that level since about then. <laughs> um, we we are not at the level of a band like Lori Berkner's band or Dan Zane's or They Might Be Giants, etc. From from my perspective at a band at our level, something like a Grammy nomination is just really great. Uh, it's a super nice compliment. It looks good on paper. I don't think it's made nearly any difference in what our experience has been beyond just reading the word um, and whatever personal esteem you take from it. It has not unlocked any business or growth opportunities. It's just been, you know, just kind of nice. In the same way that other things have. Again, if people are looking at that award in particular or shelling out $300 for a Parents' Choice Award or whatever, or however much, Napa Awards, whatever those things cost to get, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, if the goal is this is a turnkey solution that's going to actually sell records, well, it's 2019. P- people aren't buying records anymore. You know, if it's right. to pl- play shows, no one at your show cares whether you won a Parents' Choice Award or not. 
And they might applaud one time if they found out that you were nominated for a Grammy. But after that first round of applause dies down, it's going to come down to whether your show resonates with the audience or not. Um, and if it's uh, if your goal is to unlock your life and the things in your aspirations that aren't going great, if you're anything like me, and hopefully people who are listening are not like me, <laughs> hopefully they're they're much better than I am. Um, but but again, if you're anything like me, this this will not fix the things in you that weren't happening. The the uh, the inner contentment and those kind of things come from a very different place. Mm-hmm. So that's why I guess the long, very long answer to your short question is why I just sidestep that stuff altogether. Um, my, I, I let my performances and my personality and my musicianships uh, speak for myself. Recess Monkey got hooked up with Kids Place Live and I ended up with my job on Kids Place Live as a function of we just played a lot of shows. We learned how to really make audiences have fun and we learned how to make songs that resonated on the radio. That There was no magic bullet there. It took a lot of work and a lot of rejections over <laughs> the years of submitting oh, yeah. albums and things and not picking up. You know, we made our own success. Obviously, we're uh, we're very lucky and we're born in privilege uh, and that's an, an important thing to remember too. And we were lucky to start with uh, we took that luck and with a lot of hard work, we were able to create some opportunities for ourselves that, uh, we're really grateful for. There's never been a magic bullet moment. There's never been a moment with a turnkey solution that suddenly changed everything, everything. I, my life philosophy is patient urgency, meaning you're sort of always urgently working on whatever the next thing is, but you're doing it with a sense of patient, contentment and optimism that things are going to go okay, that working feels good. And if you can make your work feel like fun as you're doing it, then it won't feel like work. Mm -hmm. And that if you look back over 15 years, like we've been playing music for, you'll see a lot of growth over those years. And that is a really satisfying feeling. Happiness in the moment is also a huge part of it, particularly when you're working with kids, because ultimately, isn't that what we want them to be feeling to begin with? I think everybody comes into it at a different spot for different reasons. But if I, I have that default that is, if you're not trying to get kids to move and smile and dig music and maybe plant the seed in some kid out there that music is really cool, that they get to maybe that might grow, not that you're responsible for that or, or anything, you know, huge, but that sharing aspect of it to me, it's like, well, if you're not doing it for that, you're probably, you're, if you're, you can't be doing it for the money because I don't know anybody who's really figured it out how to do it for the money at this level and uh, fame. And so fame eh, doesn't, spreads pretty thin. I mean, that's a thin coat of butter on the toast trying to get fame in this industry when, you may have a lot of kids who like you, but like you're saying, I look at where Recess Monkey is and I'm like, holy cow, that catalog that they have, the shows they play, the way that they're together. But most of the things I respect about you guys as a group are things that you've created on your own. You create concept albums. You have a look and feel. You have an affinity for each other that is obvious from the outside. You know, I don't see that in boy bands or, you know, manufactured <laughs> groups necessarily. So it's like authentic. And it's like, oh, well, that's cool. You know, Thank I look you. At, I look at Brady Reimer and he's always smiling and I'm like, why is this guy always smiling? He seems to be like perpetually happy. And, he really is. It's and, really true. And I think <laughs> he's so. such a great guy. I don't think that you could you could exude that sort of positive energy and not actually be kind of okay. Well, maybe you can, but I don't I don't I just see that from the outside like wow. They seem to have it it's going huge. on. There yeah, are, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple things like I think for people listening to this you know, why pay 300 bucks for a parent's choice possibility? And, you know, I, our, our second album won gold, and I saw actually what that turned into. First, there was that like, ah, uh, you know, I got the huge ego boost, and I got that 15 minutes of giddiness because I, I won something. And some Facebook likes. You and got some, some people Facebook. clicking like oh, on totally. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And, but the way that it, the, the way that that investment actually returned was, uh, I think we sold another, maybe another 80 CDs to libraries. Because they oh, by, great. Well, because they by default were like, oh, it's a gold, I'm, we're just going to, we don't have time to to listen to all these albums, but we're going to keep a stock on hand. So we're just going to buy two of all of the gold choice, right? That's that's great that you could see the, like the direct through line on that. Mm-hmm. I, it's That's always been opaque to us, maybe yeah. because we're dealing with distributors. And that's a great point. Yeah, I'm happy to be proven wrong on that. Well, but but that's the thing. It's 80 CDs. You know, did the return on that actually pay for the cost of of submitting? Uh, 
I don't know, maybe close. You don't make much money off CDs in general, so sure. You know that was close. I do know from talking to. It's also a gamble. It's. A, I mean, it's it's competitive. Oh yeah, oh, yeah it's they're not giving out golds to everyone. And so I mean, congratulations. That's great. Well, that was okay. That was, that was not this. <laughs> you last won the race. One. The album before this last one, you know, and we, you know, we didn't we didn't get the gold on the on the most recent one, and I was disappointed. But then again, it's like, well, what do you expect? You can't, you know, that's not that's not how things work. I have talked to other artists. I was talking to 23 Skidoo and about winning the Grammy. And he's like, look, in our genre, specifically hip hop, if we're trying to play in Iowa, they may not like to book us. But then we say, well, we're, we want a Grammy. And they're like, mm, okay, maybe. So there are some, but those are like so specific examples of when and, and conjecture too. Like, well, is this why you got the gig? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe just throw it in the pile of stuff we've done and it might convince somebody, but is it worth the effort? Uh, uh, right. I, I mean, if again, if you loved the process, then do it. it, it really. I mean, if, it, if there's nothing, ex, if there's no expense other than time, but it was time that you felt was well spent, then it seems like a great expense, you know? Mm-hmm. For Again, I can only speak from personal experience. For me, it felt like it felt gross, Um because it it really had the feeling of this is not about quality. And really, what does quality even mean? Knowing that there are a lot of people making a lot of really great music. And (laughs) what's this notion? You know, you said a lot earlier, um, the premise of, uh, you know, that competition is um, something that's just uh, a given in in children's music. People are really friendly about it, but there are only a certain number of spaces uh, available. What we've chosen as a band to do is let's just increase the size of the pie. Like let's let's try to create as many new spaces as we can. So you played on the stage, the independent stage that we cultivated over several years at Folklife, mm-hmm. um, a big free festival in Seattle. It's not a paid gig, um, but we do have a, a couple of series that we run every year where we're, you know, creating this year 20 shows in the greater Seattle area for several bands to take part in, you know, raising our rates all sort of at the same time, mm-hmm. um, just to prove the value of the work that we're all doing. Um, and, you know, we're constantly referring gigs to each other so that, you know, if someone's on the fence about hiring a band and a Recess Monkey's not available, you know, I've got six other great artists that I can refer to immediately so that before that person's like, oh, maybe we'll just go with an iTunes playlist. We're helping preserve these opportunities for other bands who are, we know are going to be great in those contexts. We really see our goal or our, our charge as a band as not just consumption of these small number of spaces that are available in each one of these contexts, radio or shows or whatever, but stewardship. Like if we really believe in family music, which we do if we think it's important for families to have shared experiences where kids are uh, and fa- and parents are getting the same amount of enjoyment, both getting off on each other's experiences, but also, you know, they're hearing songs that appeal to both of them in different or similar ways. If we believe in the power of that, the stewardship of a scene is, well, then we need to not just preserve it. We need to expand it. Like, let's help this happen everywhere. So it's been a very egalitarian process. No one's been taking, you know. When I set up independent series, I don't take a commission. This is I feel like this is just my duty to my other colleagues as artists and the city as a whole. Like let's let's branch out as much as we can. Let's make Seattle a hotbed where this kind of enthusiasm is happening. Um, and it's just sort of known for it. Mm. And it's been fun to see that in other cities that kind of thing has taken root too. I think Independent was one of the first people or the first consortiums of people to do that. But now if you look all up and down the West coast, every major city has a similar group of people who are recording songs together, putting on series together, doing festivals together. And I'm really proud that we were some of the first people doing it. And I hope that we were able to pass that along the importance of stewardship and growing the size of the pie. So I I think I disagree to some extent that there really are a small number of spaces available. I think there is only, uh, there are only five spaces available for Grammy nominations, but ultimately I don't think they're as important. I think playing one really great show in your hometown is probably more valuable than a Grammy nomination, honestly, Mm -hmm. just 
the amount of goodwill that you're putting out in the world, not to mention, you know, even financially, <laughs> at least you'll make you'll make money from that experience. <laughs> the only thing the only thing that happened with us at the Grammys is that we spent a lot of money to get to Los Angeles. <laughs> well, I was so. gonna, yeah, that's like one of the follow up questions. Do they pay for your round trip? They don't. Do they pay for no. lodging? Probably not. Do you have to pay for a ticket to get in there? No, but you have to pay one for your you know family if they want to see it. You know, if you are an active voting member and you get nominated, you Every member gets a free ticket uh, and a free plus one. But I had let I had let mine lapse (laughs) because I wasn't because I was just so over it all. So I ended up having to buy a seven hundred dollar ticket to the Grammys for my wife. (laughs) It was insane. (laughs) Yeah, because uh, I'm trying to think of another artist like, you know, the the band Fish is out front scalping their tickets like, hey, you want to buy a ticket to the Grammys? I thought about it. I totally thought about it. Like. Oh man, you guys want to see a reformed tribe called Quest, dude? We got Ooh. your stuff. Hooking you up here, <laughs> row fourteen hundred. Uh, yeah, mezzanine. you're going to be sitting <laughs> sitting right in front of the new age group White Sun. They'll be fun to talk to. Like it. Yeah, it's. Would you guys yeah, quit anyway. chanting just for a minute? Announcing, come on. Oh man, what you have, what you guys have going on in Seattle is phenomenal. The fact that I, oh, thank you. I well, because I'm 500 miles away, you guys are the nearest big town. I look over there with Brian Vogan and and like everybody, all the friends that I have out there who are musicians yeah. and you guys. And it's like, ah, that's the way to do it. Get together, put it, make it keep live music going. I, you know, you you guys have it, you really have it dialed in out there, and it's it's awesome. And every time that we get invited to the independent stage to play folk life, we're always like, this is so fun, like, we're just gonna go and do it because. Just for the just for the chance to be in that vibe is really cool. Seattle's a fantastic. It's a great feeling. Place. Yeah, and I think I've seen yeah, Portland, yeah. Portland doing the same thing. They did a a bridge concert, and it was like a you know it's like a festival of children's music, and it's like that's really yeah. great. Yeah, that just happened a couple weekends ago. Totally. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's fun to see that that idea is taking root all around. And I mean, that speaks to your other premise, which I totally agree with, that uh, the thing about family music is that any family musicians who are true to the values that they're imparting in their music, these these commonalities of, you know, shared experiences, sharing, happiness, community building, these are not just things that are lyrically involved in songs. These are things that those artists actually care about, you know, promoting in the world so that you know, it makes it a really great place to make music because you know that you can count on your colleagues to provide opportunities. And likewise, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't seem like a chore to to do that in 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 turn for the people that you're playing music for. It feels like, yeah, we're all in this together. This is all boats must rise. I know I've used that analogy a few times now. Um, you're a mariner, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to me, honestly, like that is something that is a way better use of time personally. Again, just speaking for me, that kind of scene building is a way better use of time than trying to get someone from contemporary jazz to vote for a children's album. Someone who doesn't even know anything about kids music to begin with, you know, like it, 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 that feels like a hollow pursuit versus what we're trying to do is like, let's open up music to as many families as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is going to be a better place. And, you know, as we left the Grammy season, we took two months off after that. Uh, it was unplanned. We were just all kind of burnt out and then the Grammys happened and then we're like, Oh, it's really good. We got these two months that we've got nothing going on. And when we kind of came back, we came back with that new charge of any opportunity that we can find to inject some happiness in the world, especially in the world post Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, election season of 2016, anything that we can be doing to inject happiness and commonality and community into people um, from all different backgrounds. We really want to be doing that because this world needs it more than ever. Yeah, uh, I need it. I more think it's a ever. great use of time. I need oh, it more me too. Ever. I need to, I me- need to know that I'm, I'm putting petals on the flower, not tearing them off. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you know, I, 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 that, you know, I've never heard that, uh, that metaphor before, but, uh, putting petals on the flower, that is, it's beautiful because yeah, in, in many ways, the chasing after the Grammys or other award things felt very much like, you know, uh, chasing after dwindling resources. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think music needs to be competitive. Mm. And ultimately, uh, I don't really believe in the premise that there's music that's better than any other music. This is something that some will raise some hackles if anyone's made it this far in this episode <laughs> of the podcast, but I, I really don't believe it. I, I don't believe that. I think it's everyone has their own taste and there are certain things that will resonate more than others. Um, but this notion of best, it's such a subjective measure. Um, I think that there's 
you know, anything we can do to promote great music is great. I don't personally subscribe to awards as being the way to do that. Mm -hmm. I think creating opportunities for bands like we have in Seattle, you know, to empower each other and play on each other's records and learn as much as we can musically. That seems like a really good way to embrace the beauty of music and to, you know, create expanded opportunities for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that awards are the way to do that personally. I, I started to get maybe a little bit disillusioned with the idea of getting into the Grammys because of two two things. First, I saw it as a uh, popularity contest more than right. more than uh, you know, like you're saying, like a quality. Like, how do you judge quality? If there's sometimes there are albums that get nominated. Most of the albums that get nominated, I'm like, yep, that's a good cut. Yep, that's good. You know, like Lisa Loeb's album was like. Damn, that's a good album. That's really that's really thoughtful. That's good, and I can usually it say is a that great about, record. Yeah, I can usually say that about almost uh, every album that gets nominated. Some of them come from left field, and I'm like, what? They're kids musicians. I didn't know that. <laughs> I never even heard of these people before. How's that? You know, and that's when I start to get suspicious. One uh, one day, I was at the at a gas station here in Missoula, and I'm filling up the tank, and I'm talking to my bass player. We were actually, I think, we were just coming from band practice or something. And somebody's leaning against the car, filling up the tank. And uh, a friend of mine from high school who, who went to high school here in Missoula with me, he came walking across the, the parking lot. And I was like, hey, how you doing? Oh, good, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I see you you're, You got a band and you got an album. I was like, yeah, we do. It's, it's kind of fun. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, you go, you're going to chase a Grammy. And he's like, it was out of the blue. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> um, actually, yeah, because it was, it was September, I think, when, when this actually happened. And this is a true story. And he and I was like, well, yeah, actually, I think I think we are. I thought, you know, I'm, I submitted, and I, I think I'm gonna, gonna gonna see what happens. And I kind of had that thing. And he's like, oh yeah, he's I got a Grammy. And I was, I didn't I didn't even know this guy had anything to do with music. Right. And I was like, wow, that's you, crazy. You you have a Grammy? Yeah, it's at home. It's on my mantle. I'm like, well, what uh, what what'd you get the Grammy in? He's like, children's music. No so, way. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, gobstopped. I'm like, uh. How he's like? Oh well, Bill Harley came to town a few years ago, and uh, we were over at the uh, uh, the university radio station, and he was recording his album there, and I helped engineer a couple of those tracks, and then he won the Grammy that year. So then I called up the Grammys. Oh I said, my hey, gosh! Yeah. I've got credits on the album. Can I have one? They said, Yeah, here, pay us three hundred fifty bucks. We'll send you your yeah, Grammy. But yeah, you could buy one. <laughs> you could buy one, right? Because he was on the album, and he's like, Yeah, so yeah, I got a Grammy for children's music on the mantle uh, at home. You want to swing by and oh see it sometime? God. And I was like. <laughs> Man, everybody but me, <laughs> everybody but me can get a Grammy in children's music. So anyway, it's a cool conversation piece, but you, you can also just get like a really cool vase at a gallery. You know, like people will talk about that too. Like <laughs> people love talking about stuff. There, there's no shortage of things to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I I do want to re- reiterate again. You know, we are recording this in October. We don't know who the nominees are yet. We don't know who's going to win the Grammy. Um, for children's music and this is going to come out sometime after all that's done Mm -hmm. so uh my message to all those people who were involved in the process um either people who uh, so went for the nomination and didn't get it people who were nominated people who uh whoever won the award i guess my first message is i think it's awesome that you're doing kids music because there's certainly more lucrative things that you could do this is the fact that you've chosen to do something that's going to bring joy and um you know, edification to kids at at whatever level that's happening, whether you're making an educational record or something that's purely entertaining. Um, I think the dedication to kids, you know, I was a teacher for 13 years. I've got kids. I'm surrounded by kids. I talk to them on the air every day. I think it's just one of the most, one of the most noble things that you can do. I think kids need great advice and great mentors along the way. So first of all, I think that you've made a great choice by being in kids music. And second of all, um, I hope this has nothing to do with the Grammys. I just hope that every person who submitted or was nominated or who won, I hope that you're that you realize how much joy there is for you in there too. And mm-hmm. that you're not you're not offsetting your dreams on or hanging them on some distant accomplishment because I think the accomplishment is something that's already in your lap. I think the accomplishment is you figured out a way that you get to interface with kids in a really visceral, authentic way. I hope that you know that your dream has already occurred, that your dream, that you're living your dream right now, whether, whether you've walked with the trophy or 
a nomination distinction or you walked away frustrated that you weren't nominated, I, I hope that beyond all of the mechanics of this one particular awards process that you're able to kind of see within yourself that you are connected to something that is so meaningful on a global scale. Um, I think that's the biggest message of all. And I have no problem with, with the Grammys in general. I have no problem with people doing it. I've decided that my happiness is something that is impeded by the Grammys. <laughs> so that's why I'm sidestepping it uh, as far to the side as I can. Maybe some people are able to do both. Um, I think happiness as, as humans is something that, you know, we only get one shot at this. And I sure hope that people are finding that kind of satisfaction from the lives that they're living right now in music because, um, you know, the kids, uh, I think the kids are lucky to have everyone who has submitted their record this year. I was in harmony with you First time that we met And every day is feeling so brand new Every morning Without warning And I was in harmony with you Singing in our nest It happened that all our dreams came true Birds of feather Whatever kind of weather comes we go And you left the shell to start and you looked right into my heart And you stretched your wings So much for your time and your perspective on this because uh it's a because <clears throat> I, I i think i was i was correct in the fact that you have a deep and unique perspective in this because you've been through this to share so to sort of offset that tidal wave of noise that tells us that we should just keep doing more in this way in this self-promotion in this winning in this uh, capitalistic sort of uh, <laughs> consuming like I've got to do because I can I should and I think when it comes to these sort of awards uh, that that's sort of how it feels that's how it feels to me anyway well I can so I should and then when you open that up you know then I'm obligated to do my best to get there without actually evaluating the steps that I'm taking in that process so thanks man thanks for your thanks yeah. for your perspective and voice in this Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. <laughs> that was really fun. That was actually really super fun. I really enjoyed talking to Jack. He's a really cool guy. I have an incredible amount of respect for him, for what he has done with Rhesus Monkey, what they've done as a band, and what they have done for the community, the music community in Seattle, to promote 
children's and family-friendly music. They are, in my mind, some of the pioneers in this field that I looked to and continue to look to as far as an example of ways that you or I conduct myself as a musician and ambassador to other children's musicians, the industry, and families out there. Can't say enough good things about those guys. I think it's interesting for me to reflect on the fact that I use competitions as a way to market my music to a larger audience that I probably would not normally have access to. Which means when I submit my music for a competition, I look forward to the write-up from, um, you know, from the reviewers, what they say about the album. Then I use that as a marketing tool to put it out there, to, you know, as part of the clips, the, the press clippings, things like that. That's probably the biggest value that I've found from competitions. Interestingly enough, the Grammys don't do that. You don't get a nice couple paragraphs talking about your music when you chase a Grammy. On the other hand, you may meet a ton of very interesting people. And as we've talked about before, the, the work that the Recording Academy does is not just the Grammys. And I think that's important to recognize. It's important for me to look at that and say, they do more than just this awards program. They do a lot of good stuff. It's a worthwhile, in my opinion, organization. Kick them a hundred bucks a year, become a member and get involved because we have skin in the game and they, they're our organization. They're forward facing as far as the recording aspect of our, of our material. Yeah, boy, I don't know. I don't have much more to say on that. I think that that was a really deep conversation. I would love to hear from you though. If you have a strong opinion one way or another about what uh, we, we talked about today, about what Jack said, shoot me an email, send me a message, go to my Facebook page, uh, go to my website, cowboyandy.com. Let me know what you think. If you want to jump on here, I want to do a mailbag thing. You send me your comments and I'll read them. I'd love to have a podcast where I just say, hey, you know, Debbie in uh, Des Moines said, you're full of it, dude. The, the, the Grammys are totally important and here's why. And I would really appreciate that sort of feedback. Or you could send me a coupon for Starbucks. I appreciate that kind of feedback too. That would be just fine. You can go ahead and send me a gift card for uh, for pretty much any place. I'll, I'll, pretty much, I'll take it. Even if I don't have a dog that needs um, grooming, if you send me a coupon for a free grooming of a dog, I'll say thank you because I'm gracious because that's the kind of host I am. That's the kind of barn we have here at Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy. And, oh, yeah, here it comes again. <laughs> okay, like it, share it, love it. Talk to you later. Send me a gift card. Let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles and we all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved up in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white. Okay, is this on the record? I need to know if this is on the record, this exact sentence. Pink or black or white. Ho, ho, ho. Let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles. We all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night. 